This podcast is a production of the Ephesus School Network. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, Take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, You must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. Revelation 10, 8 through 11. You are listening to the Tell Me the Story podcast with your hosts, Blaze Webster and Rowdy Wind. Join us as we engage in a complete read-through of the Holy Scriptures, parsing out the original languages with one question in mind. What is the story? Welcome to the podcast. We hope you are all having a productive Lenten season, and for those who are not participating, we wish you well. Uh, I'd like to briefly touch on a new development uh, in the scholarship that Blaze and I are participating in. Uh, Blaze, during this Lenten season, is uh, doing a project called Lenten Graffiti, and uh, before I misrepresent him, I'll let him take the wheel and explain it all to you. Yeah, okay, so Lenten Graffiti is is simply just this, this project that I want to do on an annual basis, and essentially... For this year, the focus is going to be on the parables of Jesus. So this is a YouTube series. We have the Tell Me the Story YouTube page up now. And so this is a bit of a spin-off segment, so to speak. That's what I've been calling it. But really, it's just we're, we're reading through the parables of Jesus and then just offering some some insights into how practically the parables are calling us to action. And so that's, that's the major, the major uh, premise there. Uh, but the, the link to the YouTube page and to the videos will be in the show notes. So uh, if you would like to go and check that out, uh, then I highly encourage you to do so. Yeah, it's almost like a, it reminds me of a liturgically structured uh, scriptural reading when you go to, when you go to, to liturgy. Uh, you have Old Testament readings, New Testament readings, and Epistle readings. So this is, in a way, the, the New Testament readings, because as we're going through the Old Testament, it's always good to be reminded of um, the totality of Scripture. So I think these seasonal little offshoots of exegesis and, and, and reading Scripture can prove really uh, really helpful to a lot of people. So we encourage you to check it out. Right, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's really, really my study that, that I wanted to do for myself during Lent, and then I'm just recording it really just in case anybody else wants to join in. I mean, it's really the same thing that we're doing with uh, this podcast, mm-hmm. is that it's it's uh, not meant for us to uh, be prideful of our own opinions, because ultimately that doesn't matter. In fact, you know, the goal of this is, is not to come up with some new crazy opinion for people to be impressed by or not, or to get into arguments with people. This is how Rowdy and I are studying the Hebrew and the scriptures. This is how 
we are choosing to keep ourselves accountable. Because when we have this podcast out here and when we have other people listening, it really drives us to continue on a consistent basis, you know, as, as opposed to just meeting up once in a while with both of our busy schedules. I mean, it's, it's hard enough just to meet once a week and, uh, talk about the, the book of Genesis long enough and to write a script and all that stuff. Um, but we do it because we're keeping ourselves accountable. So that is the whole point of what we're doing. Uh, yeah, I think it works better if we have, unfortunately, I think this is a bit of a calamity, but we're we're going to come to Scripture more often if we set a deadline for other people rather than setting a deadline for God, which is the reason we should approach Scripture in right. the first place. But well, it's, hey, also, it works. it's also that communal thing, too. I think that, you know, no man is an island, and I think that's true of what the Scripture consistently teaches. You know, we're we're studying the Scripture with us, and then... Uh, with the internet, you know, there's so much harm that you can do with the internet, but one of the good things that you can do with the internet is that we can extend this Bible study that we're doing to anybody that comes and listens to us. And so really any opinions or conclusions or thoughts that we may have in the podcast is really just us working it out. It's not meant to be the gospel itself. It's, it's, our our way of understanding what the scriptures are teaching. So on that note, uh, this week's episode will serve as a sort of interlude in the middle of our looking at the story of Noah in the flood. If you couldn't already tell, we're not following our usual format. Uh, episodes like this will be few and, and far between because breaking up the story like this is rarely in the best interest of the story. Uh, However, this week we saw in chapter 8 of Genesis that there's quite a lot to unpack in regard to the original Hebrew and play on words and and themes, and we want to elaborate on them to assist our understanding of the story like we were just talking about, but because of this wealth of content in chapter 8 that we need to look into, uh, we found ourselves rushing to get the next episode out. Like I said, we're trying to meet that deadline, Um, and with that causing us to rush, we found that... uh, it would ultimately cause us to miss important details just for the sake of getting another episode of our podcast out. Um, and that would just be a disservice to our listeners and ourselves as students of Scripture. So we opted to postpone the episode for a week. Um, but, you know, after some thinking, I thought that this might provide a, a really good opportunity for us to have a revisiting discussion about what it is exactly that we are trying to accomplish with the podcast. So, Today, we're going to read from a few selections of Scripture in order to let them serve as a reminder and possibly an admonishment of what we're doing here at Tell Me the Story. Week by week, we hope that our discussions are helpful to you, dear listener, but we cannot control your understanding. Only Scripture can and should do that, so let us turn our ears to Scripture and be reminded of our directive. Perhaps with these scriptural reminders, we can jump back into the flood story next week with a refined approach and hear what we ought to hear the story. So our first reading will be the first psalm. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. 
In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And our next reading will be from Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So I feel that these selections of scripture hardly need any elaboration. That was the intent behind choosing them is that we could see the interconnection of all of them and how they contribute to the total story, the total directive that we are given as hearers of the text. By no means are we choosing these to proof text a theological point or some uh, ethical moralism, anything like that. At the core of all of these is submit to God and do the work that he has called you to do. Like in uh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel is given the scroll, the book to eat. Uh, And it is after this that he is to go and deliver the word to the people. And God says it doesn't matter what their language is. Even if you went to a, a strange land that had a strange language, they would listen to you. But Israel will not listen to you. You should not take that to heart. The only thing that matters is that you are consuming the word and that you are producing fruit. And I know it doesn't use that language, but I think that theme is picked up and elaborated later in the story, the story of scripture, as Jesus talks about the good tree bearing good fruit, and like Psalm 1, like we read. At the end of the parable of the sower, we hear about the seed that falls on good ground, and it falls on good ground because it it bears the fruit, meaning that the person who is like the good ground that the seed falls on they not only hear the scripture and understand it in the sense that they internalize it and really put in the work to become challenged by it, but they actually hear it and they do something about it. They actually allow the commands of scripture to change their mind and to change their behavior. Yeah, I mean, if I could push the analogy a little bit further, the person who is like the good ground, if you just imagine like a square foot of ground and you plant uh, an acorn in there, you know, in 50 years, if that acorn grows because of the quality of the soil being good and it's nourished and whatnot, um, that tree will have completely displaced that square foot of ground so that that square foot of ground, if you had looked at it before the seed was there, it would have been just dirt, mud, manure, whatever. Uh, but you know, in 50 years, that square foot of ground is gone. Now it is a tree that has been firmly planted. 
Yeah, so it's not enough just to study Scripture and just to internalize Scripture. But there's that second caveat to it. It's a call and response type of thing, that, that idea of call and response. It's, it's right there in Scripture. The call is from God. And then our response to that is obedience to what he's saying and to carry out that teaching to become like the the good soil that bears fruit and then seeds continues the the lineage of the seed the seed being the teaching and so you spread that to everyone that you come across again not by thumping them over the head with a bible but in the manner of which you treat that person it's it's right there in the text and it's 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 even in like we said the first psalm the righteous man is like the the tree that yields the the good fruit in its season and that doesn't mean that the righteous man yields fruit whenever he thinks it's right it means in his season which is determined by god that means that the good tree will produce fruit when the time comes that time that is determined by God. The tree doesn't decide to produce good fruit. The tree doesn't decide when a good time is. The tree, by its very nature, being a good tree, will produce good fruit in the right season. Yeah, and I'd also like to double down on this too, the importance of what the scripture has to teach us, especially during Lent, when the vast majority of the Christians of the world are participating in Lent at the moment, is that when we take on the Lenten fast, when we become more mindful and more intentive in our spiritual walk, that we are mindful not to make this a self-serving exercise, that we're not doing this for any sort of spiritual gratification, that we're not using Lent, like I, like I said in the Lenten graffiti episode, as a diet program, that we're not using this to feel better about ourselves as if we're becoming more divine and more godlike and, oh, how spiritual and lofty I feel. I feel like a saint. No, no, that's not what, what Lent is about. Lent is a reminder, a very forceful reminder to stop thinking about ourselves and start challenging ourselves to go out and more fully do what Christ has commanded us, which is why it, it humbles us by strictly prohibiting the way that we eat and there's a lot more church services for the Orthodox, at least, to go to that, you know, the expectation is that you participate in. Again, none of this is there to make you feel lofty or to make you feel good and divine and whatever, whatever. It's there to break down your ego, to get you to stop thinking about yourself and to start thinking about your neighbor, not just thinking about your neighbor, but actively serving them.
which is the whole ministry of Jesus. And the gospel message is culminated in the consumption of the body and blood of Jesus. That body and blood is obviously, when you hear these stories uh, of the Old Testament, the body and blood is obviously connected to the scroll. The Eucharist is the center of worship, but why is it the center of worship? We have to understand the intent behind Jesus' words, eat my body and drink my blood. He's echoing what God is telling Ezekiel to eat Jesus, who is the scriptural instruction, is to eat the scriptural instruction. And it makes that connection between the teaching of someone and bread very clearly. I mean, he he uh, tells the disciples to be wary of the leaven of the Pharisees. Well, what does he mean by that? He doesn't mean that, oh, don't eat the bread that the Pharisees make because it's stale bread or they don't know how to bake properly. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, be wary of their teaching, what they say, which he likens to bread. It's not something that will nourish you. But the leaven that I am teaching you, or quite literally the leaven that I am, as we see in John chapter 6, that's what you are to consume. And so when we approach the chalice for the Eucharist, that's what we're doing. It's, a, it's yet again another reminder. It's another reminder pointing us to consume the scriptures. Yeah, when, when Jesus admonishes the apostles and says, I have food that you do not know about, and they say, what? Did you go to the market? When I mean, we were at the market. We should have seen you. He says, my, my food is to do the will of he who sent me, of God. Uh, that, is, that is the bread of the teaching, um, and that's the bread that we're invited to eat. That is the bread that, uh, that is not bread, but the scroll uh, in the opening reading of our intro for the, for the podcast from Revelation. Uh, and that's the scroll of Ezekiel. All these ideas are tied together. The, the Bible uses different words to define them, but the totality uh, is very simple. God provides the instruction and we have to consume it. And then when we consume it, it will become part of us and then we will be righteous. I mean, I think that that's, that's what it means to be declared righteous is that if you consume the scripture, you don't have to think about it anymore because you've consumed it. It's become a part of you. The same way that the food we eat uh, at a microbiological level becomes the, the building blocks of the stuff that our cells use to make all the things that make us happen, you know? Which, which makes it even more forceful, too, just, just thinking about Lent in terms of being a, a very in, intentional process in, in controlling what you're eating, because at least as far as orthodoxy goes, to those who may not be aware, the orthodox Lent is essentially you're, you're vegan for 40 days. But what do, what do the scriptures say? What, what's, what's something that, that we need to keep in mind during this 40-day fast where we're lacking some of our favorite foods? Well, exactly what Jesus says when he's doing his Lenten season in the desert, doing his 40 days in the desert. When the devil tempts him with food, he says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the word of God. 
And so there you go, folks. That's your answer. We're also reminded during Lent that what truly nourishes us is not the Big Mac from McDonald's or the meat lover's stuffed crust pizza from Pizza Hut, but it's the scriptural message. Amen, Rowdy? Amen. But don't take our word for it. Hear scripture. And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. And whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, be not afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns are with you, and you sit on scorpions, be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. And you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And he spread it before me. It had writing on the front and on the back, and there were written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. And he said to me, Son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll and go. Speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me the scroll to eat. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you, and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it, and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. And he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel, and speak with my words to them. For you are not sent to a people of foreign speech and a hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many peoples of foreign speech and a hard language, whose words you cannot understand. Surely if I sent you to such, they would listen to you. But the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you, for they are not willing to listen to me. Because all the house of Israel have a hard forehead and a stubborn heart. Behold, I have made your faces hard as their faces, and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. Like emery, harder than flint, have I made your forehead. Fear them not, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak to you, receive in your heart, and hear with your ears. And go to the exiles, to your people, and speak to them, and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or refuse to hear. Then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard behind me the voice of a great earthquake. Blessed be the glory of the Lord from its place. It was the sound of the wings of the living creatures as they touched one another, and the sound of the wheels beside them, and the sound of a great earthquake. The Spirit lifted me up and took me away, 
and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit, the hand of the Lord being strong upon me. And I came to the exiles at Tel Aviv, who were dwelling by the Shebar Canal, and I sat where they were dwelling. And I sat there, overwhelmed among them, seven days. And at the end of seven days the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life, that wicked person shall die for his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die for his iniquity. But you will have delivered your soul. Again, if a righteous person turns from his righteousness and commits injustice, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because you have not warned him, he shall die for his sin, and his righteous deeds that he has done shall not be remembered. But his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the righteous person not to sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live, because he took no warning, and you will have delivered your soul. And the hand of the Lord was upon me there. And he said to me, Arise, go out into the valley, and there I will speak with you. So I arose and went out into the valley, and behold, the glory of the Lord stood there, like the glory that I had seen by the Shebar Canal, and I fell on my face. But the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet, and he spoke with me and said to me, Go, shut yourself within your house, and you, O son of man, Behold, cords will be placed upon you, and you shall be bound with them, so that you cannot go out among the people. And I will make your tongue cling to the roof of your mouth, so that you shall be mute and unable to reprove them, for they are a rebellious house. But when I speak with you, I will open your mouth, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, He who will hear, let him hear, and he who will refuse to hear, let him refuse for they are a rebellious house. And he shall be like the tree which is planted by the stream. 